Hi, and welcome to What's Your Next Move? Aging on Your Own Terms. I'm Addie. And I'm her mom, Lisa. And today we're talking about Alzheimer's, how it affected our family, some strategies and solutions to deal with it in your own home, and also some preventative measures you can take. Well, let's dive in. If the thought of getting older stops you from living your best life, this is your ultimate guide in moving from fear to freedom. We know technology can allow you to age where and how you want with a higher quality of life. And we will teach and share with you what you should use and when. If you are aging or caring for someone who is, we're here to teach you the ins and outs of aging in place. Every episode is a personal guide to all the technology, design tips, and creative solutions you'll need to live your life to the fullest. Get ready to discover what is available and determine the resources that will best work for you. Move from fear to freedom starting today. Let's dive in. So today we're talking a lot about Alzheimer's and dementia, which is not the most fun topic. No, no. It's uh, something a lot of people don't want to talk about. It's almost like for fear that you're going to catch it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's something that a lot, a lot, a lot of people deal with. I have a lot of personal experience with it. Um, I also have professional experience with it. I have friends that have parents that have passed away from it, even at young ages. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot of connection to it. But um, my mom's connection to it actually started more in a professional sense. So you know that she is an interior designer, an entrepreneur. She's owned her own company for 25 years. And she specializes in senior living facilities that are kind of resort style. Um, but she also creates really amazing, amazing spaces for people that have Alzheimer's and dementia. And she designs them to care for people's souls, which is really cool. Probably um, one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. <laughs> but your when did this personal, real personal connection start for you? So the real personal connection is we have a lot of old people in our family. Um, my my grandfather, great grandfather was 92 when he passed. So that's a long time ago. I'm 55. Addie and Jake had six great grandparents alive yep, at yep, one time. Yeah. I feel like we were incredibly blessed. Um, we basically, until my grandparents were very, very old, I don't even remember ever going to funerals. Every just, buddy just stayed alive forever, retired at 50 or earlier if they were homemakers, like my grandmother. And um, what had happened was my grandmother was living with my mom and dad, and they were helping to take care of you guys when you're in school. Yep. So you would go for breakfast, and then I you would were be with grandma most of the day and right. with great grandma. And you would go for, then you get right after school and then Addie would inevitably forget her lunch. And I would say, she's not going to starve to death. Let her, you know, learn a lesson. And grandma would haul her butt right to the school and bring her lunch over and over again. And grandma really, her great grandma cooked a lot and she baked and she was excellent at it. She would make pies and all kinds of things. And I remember coming home one time and seeing a cupcake and instead of it being frosted, like my grandmother would just make it beautiful, she frosted not only the top part, but she frosted the paper part on the bottom. And it still like gets me a bit upset to this day um, because it felt like I lost a piece of her that day, hmm. like that I knew she wasn't the same person hmm. and um, and we would have to treat the situation differently. Um, that's something a child does. 
But when a child does it, you're like, yay, you frosted the cupcake. You tried. You tried. Yeah. And when your grandma does it, you're like, yay, no. You know, you're, we're losing you. We're losing a piece of you. And um, so how do you stay happy in that moment? Because she was happy with what she did. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's also why we're telling this story is because we know that so many people out there have had very similar moments with yeah. your friends, with your family, with your parents, um, where they just do something that they've always done and they've known it for your whole life. And then they act out of the norm. Yeah. And you realize that maybe something is happening. Um, and it's, can be a very sad moment. Um, but also, you know, we have a lot of solutions mm -hmm. and um, a lot of things that we can get into. But first, I wanted to talk to you also about. Um, so we've heard a little bit. You're about just going to bring it right back up, bring aren't it right you? Back up. Right back up. It was almost a, a big tearjerker there. <laughs> now you're just going to bring it right back up. Okay. <laughs> so we've spoken a little bit about your personal connection mm -hmm. to Alzheimer's. And so where did your professional connection, though, start? Because it's kind of a strange thing to be a specialist in this. So where does that initiate? Oh, yeah. So we're just going right back up. We're, yeah. We took you to the low and now we're going right back up again. Okay. Um, so my professional is uh, I was working in a hospital system and I was a designer and we had um, the average stay was, I think, like three days. And they started doing it or six days and it started going down to three for open heart surgery. And this new thing called uh, senior living came about. And so I um, decided to move into that because I thought I could affect people for the last two years of their life. Back in the day, that's how long you spent in senior living. You stayed in your home and it wasn't until your last two years. Now, this wasn't like resort style. I'm going to go play tennis in, in uh, Florida. Which and, is a, a lot of what you design. Exactly. Yeah. So this was more like I need a lot of care. And the company that I worked for, Carrington, a lot of care, was super cool. And they did these that I'm aware of first ever purpose-built Alzheimer's and dementia homes. Mm. And what we would do is make the inside of, and this is like almost 30 years ago, make the inside of the home look like a town. Wow. And so they could wander around, they could go to the bank, they could go to the hair salon, um, they could go to the office. And I remember going there um, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever because you could go to the pet shop and you could go to the movie theater and you could go all these places. And as a kid, getting to kind of roam around and act like an adult or, or um, it was a very similar experience I had to they had this thing called BizTown. Yep. And you could go and pretend to be a radio host, which, you know, yep. <laughs> sounds yep. accurate now. <laughs> sounds pretty accurate. Sounds pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, it had a very similar feel to me. But I also actually as a kid, kid understood how amazing it was to kind of give these people their independence back mm -hmm. in a controlled, safe environment. So, you know, when you do things for a long time, it becomes kind of rote. And you might have worked in a certain job for 50 years or 60 or 70. A lot of these folks worked a lot younger than we have. Mm -hmm. You know, they started working when they were nine or 10, those types of things. So um, if you went to the office every day, 
and now you've lost some of your short-term memory, but your long-term memory is going to the office every day, you want to go to the office every day. So providing a space that they could go to the office every day, um, you know, a lot of the ladies thought that they were just, you know, newly married with a baby. So having um, baby dolls that really had their eyes open were the correct weight that they could be fed and changed and feel purposeful dress up areas, um, pet areas, just really have a great day. And it's not our job to judge. Like it just back to my grandma. It wasn't for me to tell her she did the cupcake wrong or she was capable of more. It was to meet her where she was and to say, that's great, grandma. Thank you so much for helping. I love it. You know, not to not to not to be caught up in what she used to be, but to meet her where she was today and help her to have a better day. Right. So your passion for that stems from working in the hospital and kind of seeing how you could help all these people. Is that right? Part of it. Um, they were going uh, in the hospital. It was becoming very much about open heart surgeries and things like that. It's it's kind of a hospital system is based on what gets paid for and what's the biggest sickness right then. So cancer was really big. Having babies was really big and heart problems were really big. Seniors were kind of getting pushed out. Psych wards, which used to be a thing where you could go get psychiatric services, were almost going away. And then Alzheimer's and dementia, people looked at that like almost like AIDS like something you could catch. And so people didn't talk about it. They didn't want anyone to know anyone, their family had it because, and people still do that today. Right. And that also kind of relates back. We've talked about that before of people being afraid to ask for help or to Mm -hmm. communicate with their loved ones because they're super afraid that they're going to be forced and put into an Alzheimer's bench care facility if they admit that they can't remember where they put their keys. Exactly. And there's a huge difference between I can't remember where I put my keys to I just iced the paper part of the cupcake. My and and a perfect example (laughs) of that is that my grandma, she'll she says to me all the time that she swears that I have Alzheimer's because she asked me to go get something and I forget it. And I'm just a forgetful (laughs) young person. But it is a very different thing of losing kind of that short term memory. Right. And um, your regular skills that you're capable of doing, you kind of lose your memory of how to do those. Right. Um, But you, you know, great grandma still remembered that she played the violin and that she did all these really amazing things. She did. And a lot of times, too, it, it could be something that could be fixed. It could be a UTI, urinary tract infection that can mimic signs of dementia. And that's a very dangerous thing. If you don't take somebody to the doctor and get them checked, um, it can be a very simple thing. They could be dehydrated. Mm. Um, they could have had a stroke. Um, there's tons of different things. That's why to ignore it, um, you really need to be careful. And you also need to be careful because, you know, it seems like when family members are away and then they come home um, for the holidays, they go, oh, well, mom's losing it. Mom's this, mom's that. And you can't really like diagnose things in a short period of time. When you're stressed out, your brain acts a little differently. 
And I'm sorry, but the holidays are stressful when you got everybody stressful coming in. Stressful for everybody. They yeah. are. They are very stressful. So you have to really get um, and engage with professionals. But there's also certain things you can do in diet and exercise and being with other people and then design and technology. Yeah. So when you like to design for someone um, like for seniors or for specifically people with Alzheimer's dementia, you kind of just investigate the person as a whole, the medical side as a whole, and then you design yeah. the space around that whole experience instead of just being like, okay, we want to design a nice room that people get to stay in right. and they can enjoy it. That's great. But really all of this is the placement of the medical equipment. You've explained to me before where um, they've, you know, the, the room in the hospital wasn't designed properly because when you bring in all the equipment that you would need for someone to resuscitate someone, it doesn't fit in there. Right. So you have to think about kind of all scenarios when you have this mix of design and medical kind of things in the same space. It is. It's a holistic uh, way of looking at things. And what I know, and I'm certainly not an expert in, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a caregiver, although I help care for my grandmother. So I have that intimately. And then my mother-in-law uh, didn't care for her, but was around her quite a bit um, while she had it and before she passed. And what I can tell you is that every person and every day of dementia or Alzheimer's is like a snowflake. And it's different. And one day it's a good day and the next day it's not. And one day this works and the next day it doesn't. And so you got to kind of learn to roll with the punches, I guess is the best way to say it. Have fun. Um, really appreciate when everybody's in the moment. Um, and, you know, that's part of the reason why we wrote the book Hive. And I say like we wrote the book, but it because it really was, you know, a family thing. Addie did all the drawings in here of how we changed the floor plans. Um, so, my son, you know, designed the cover. It really was Greg's Kemper House came out of this. Yeah. So Hive is a book that my mom wrote that mm -hmm. was about our family, multi-generational living, aging in place technology, and then also specifically living with great grandma. So yeah. we had four generations in one household. Again, it was me, my brother, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, and my great grandma who had Alzheimer's. That sounds like a lot. It's a lot. It was it a lot. It sounds like a lot. But like a hive, and that's why we called it that, was we all had our jobs. So there were the worker bees. Grandma was obviously the queen bee. <laughs> and my mom was a primary caregiver. So really, my mother, who was also, they were best friends, my grandmother and her, my mother got the biggest burden mm -hmm. on her. Um, and so a lot of my job was coaching my mother, designing the space so that it would support my mom's caregiving and also not make my mom a prisoner in the home because grandmother started, you know, grandma started getting paranoid, never wanted her to leave, those types of things. Right. So doing all those types of things, you would think I was designing for my grandmother. But I was just as much, if not more, designing for my mom, who was the primary caregiver. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I wanted to also speak a little bit about my my own experience living with great grandma Lily. So um, my grandma was obviously the primary caregiver, like my mom was saying. And um, but I had a lot of experiences with great grandma Lily and I 
on kind of a second tier would be the person who great grandma would go to um, when she was worried about something. And also I was the one who could convince her to take her pills. You could. I don't know how you did it, but you were uh, you were like a master magician. Yeah. And and my grandma, God love her. She would just try to have my great grandma take her vitamins, take her regular medication that she's supposed to be taking daily. And it was almost always a battle. You're trying to poison me. I've already took my pills, all these things. Well, I can tell you one of the biggest failures was I thought, oh, I'm smarty pants, right? I'm going to get like a, like a planner. You know how um, grandmas have these little tiny planners, almost like a checkbook and have the dates in there. And so I thought, okay, this is fantastic. I'm going to have grandma put a sticker down every time on the day when she's taking her pill in the morning and then the middle of the day. And then so that worked for like two days, right? Two days. And then grandma said, Nope, you put that sticker. there." Yep. <laughs> and I she said, wasn't trusting anything. And so I'm like, okay, all right. I got you, grandma. Sign, sign off on it. Like you put your signature. Nobody can right, fake that. Right. And then she was like, no, you faked my signature. And I felt like a little bit like we were in a Twilight Zone episode where she felt like she was being trapped in a prison and everybody was conspiring against her. Right. And lying to her. And so what did we do? What was the brilliant solution? throw the high school kid into it and just said, it's your responsibility. You got to take care of it. Right. Right. And also, I mean, I, I felt good about taking that burden off of mama. I felt really bad that I could just go in there and be like, Hey, great grandma, here's your pills. Like, can you take them for me? And she would say, Oh, I already took them. And I'd say, I, I know you did, but if you could just do it for me, that would be really nice. I promise. Like if you already took them, we just won't take them tomorrow. And I would just make up something. And she would look at me like I was half nuts and uh, she would still take them at the end. I think honestly, she thought, oh, poor little Addie. I'm just going to do this for her. Yeah, I, I do think she was doing me a favor. I think, I think she was totally she doing you a favor. Because yeah. we would find like when she was doing them by herself, we started finding these Kleenexes wadded up and shoved down in the side of the recliner. And then you got it out and it was like pills. So it was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest where they're like hiding the pills. Or right. Like like put them in the side of their mouth and then spit them out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then hide them someplace like they're not going to get me. They're not going to get me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I think that like the best thing that I learned about um, Alzheimer's and and just, you know, living and dealing with people that have it is that they are their existence is their truth. Yes. So in their mind, they already took the pills. Right. And right. you cannot argue. It's like if someone came up to you and told you that the sky was brown mm -hmm. and you're like, it's just not true. The sky is blue. I've seen it a thousand times. I know what it looks like. You're nuts. And to them, that's how they're living in their reality all the time. 100%. It's a matter of perspective. We actually have on YouTube and Addie can put in the show notes a link um, where there's an exercise where you put your finger up and bring it down and it shows you just a change in perspective can have you arguing with something, somebody over the same exact truth. You're both right. You're just looking at it differently. Looking at it from a different perspective. Different perspective. And you cannot convince someone that sees something from a different perspective that they're wrong and you're right. Exactly. What you do is you have to meet them where they are, right? And yeah. um, you have to figure out, um, I call it positive manipulation. Uh, you know, 
it's not lying, but it is lying. Um, you know, I've spoke about that a lot is, um, if you love me, lie to me. Um, our 19 year old nephew, Addie's cousin died at 19 and I wasn't going to lie to grandma when she said, when's little Matt coming over? Because it's not fair to her to have that tragedy relived over and over again. So I would say, well, he's not able to come today, but maybe tomorrow. And she'd say, oh, okay. All right. Some people feel that that's cruel to lie to that person. But in reality, what is your mission and what is your heart? Your heart is not to cause them pain Mm -hmm. and to have the better days. And so by, you know, throwing in their face, arguing with them, telling what the truth is that you think they ought to know, you're really causing so much heartache and disruption. Um, and it doesn't make them feel any better. And five minutes from now, you're going to have the same question. They're, they're going to ask you the same exact thing. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I also think that um, something that I would see Mama do often was she would get frustrated with her and try to tell her, oh, no, mother, it's this. Oh, no, mother, it's that. And in in one respect, I see that it's like if you're the caregiver and you're getting frustrated all the time, if you yell at them, honestly, they won't remember in five minutes. No. So so you can occasionally let off steam. You don't have to keep everything bottled in all the time. But arguing oftentimes doesn't actually work because it makes them agitated emotionally and then they can feel that in their physical sense and then they want to resist whatever you're trying to do just because they feel that physical tension right right? so i think it's um i explain it a little bit more like disney so disney knows that they have to have you wait in line to go on a ride and it's not a great experience we know we got to get grandma to eat We got to get grandma to take her pills. That's waiting in line. So how do we tell a story? How do we play trivia games? How do we make this fun? How do we bury it in the applesauce? How do we, you know, do all those types of things so that maybe you don't even realize you've waited in line, but you've got through it and it's part of the experience and it's made it pleasant. Right. Um, I've never liked those amusement parks that you just sit there and wait in the heat and there's no, you know, they're not taking your mind off of it. Right. Um, and it makes it feel worse. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you can make it a game, if and if you're not the right person for it, like it's OK to get frustrated. Um, I think when you start to especially for somebody super close, like a spouse or a daughter, um, it can be incredibly frustrated because you know who they were. Right. And you've spent your entire life trying to make each other better. Right. So that's really hard. Yeah. And I think that a perspective that was also helpful to me um, living with great grandma was that she's not the same as she was whatever a few years ago, but she still is great grandma Lily. Mm -hmm. She was still the person who, you know, played basketball as a woman and in these really early days when a lot of women weren't allowed allowed to play sports. Right. Um, And she would tell me these stories over and over again, which was really awesome because a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's really still have good long-term memory. Mm -hmm. So engaging with them in that way is really important. But I think also um, one of the most shocking things that she used to do was that, you know, like we said, great grandma Lee was a very proper lady and she didn't cuss a day in her life. No, right? no, she didn't cuss. She didn't go to the, out of the house without her makeup or her hair done. She never drove a day in her life. Um, she was church lady. 
um, she, we all had to dress proper and, right. uh, you know, even though she grew up in Southern West Virginia, they had Cosmo magazines and dressed to the nines. All of her sisters were educated past high school, right. which was unheard of in the right. day. I don't even know that I ever saw her in pajamas yeah. until she lived with us. So that being the woman that I've known and that I've grown up going mm -hmm. and visiting in West Virginia and spending so much of my life with her, um, then it would be very shocking to hear her drop something in the kitchen and throw out a cuss word. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was never something that I thought I would experience ever. And that's it was so funny to me. And then I had this realization of, you know, it's not that she's never cussed in her life. It's that she's chose her for most of her life to not do that in front of certain people. Right. Or maybe maybe she held back the whole entire time. Yeah. Some people will get very soft when they were a very harsh personality. Mm -hmm. um, because they don't feel like they have to protect themselves anymore. Some people that were basically perfect, like my grandmother was the perfect lady, no longer has all those um, kind of pent up. What will the neighbors think? What will the church people think? What will this? And she dropped some cuss words. Yeah. So and, and, and also from my perspective, it's just that's who she was at some point in her life. Mm -hmm. um, that these aren't just anomalies and things like that. It's just not they might not present themselves in the exact manner that they did a couple of years before the dementia kind of kicks into gear. But I imagine great grandma at some point was cussing when she was dropping stuff. Yeah, I don't and know. I don't know. I never saw her do it. Um, but she did, you know, when she was younger, she wore a bikini. It was like the shorts and the top. But, um, you know, so she wasn't and she was a beautiful woman. Um, you know, and part of that is I think just like icing the cupcake on the bottom, you it peels away all the things that society has told you. No, 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 no. Don't, you know, you're a three-year-old and you're running around naked. No, 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 no. You have to put clothes on. Uh, no, no, no. You can't say the cuss word. No, 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 no. You can't, you know, take your finger into the cake and eat the icing. You have to yeah, eat, those, you know, your so meals first. Inhibitions sometimes are limited. And That's a perfect word. Yeah. Perfect word. Yeah. So having said that, we did have a little bit of a crisis. Um, so my teenage son in high school, um, comes to me and he's like, mom, you got to do something. And I'm like, what? And he's like, great grandma came out in her bra and her underwear. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh no. And I wasn't, oh no, for Jacob, you know, whatever, you yeah. know, he, you know, he'd seen, you know, me in a bathing suit, he'd seen, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was, oh no, for her. Like she would have been mortified if yeah. she knew that she did that. Yeah. Mortified. And but so, you know, we kind of those... helped her get back into the room, but she just didn't, it, it, her inhibitions again were gone. Right. Right. Um, but it is one of those things too, where a lot of what we talk about in the book, um, is also that like, you know, it is funny. Oh yeah. It was, it, it was it's, funny. It's hilarious. And it's okay that it's yes. funny. Yep. And a lot of people are very sensitive, like don't laugh at them, don't laugh or whatever. But 
there's moments where it is funny and that's okay. And it's funny to process it like that. And it's okay to, um, you know, when, so great grandma also had something where when we, she would sit on the front porch and we would, we would sit on the swing all the time. And there was this branch in the, in the front of our house, um, on this one tree. And she would always say, now Libby, you gotta call the city and get them to cut that tree. You gotta call the city. And about, Every five or so minutes, this would come out. This would come out. And like, you start off ready to kill the person. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you're like, I have heard this story. I told you. I told you we've called the city, you know. And then at a certain point, what you end up doing is you just go, hey, I think we need to call the city. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, what you end up doing is egging her on and saying, great grandma, don't you want to look at that tree? Yeah, yeah. Like you, you know, you, you should, I think we should call, we should call the city because it'd probably been seven minutes instead of five that she brought it up. And so part of being able to laugh together as a family, we're not making fun of her. It's, it's a way to release a lot of stress and love on each other. Um, you know, and if you ever, if you're the personality, which I certainly am, when someone falls and gets hurt, as long as they didn't get like really hurt, um, everybody's laughing, we're laughing, yeah. we're laughing. Um, now if somebody's really hurt, of course, then you got to reel it back and then you take care of it. Yeah. Um, you know, like your aunt, when she did virtual reality and, and she ran into the mantle, ran into the we mantle all were at Christmas silent until we were well aware that she was fine. And then we burst out laughing. Yeah. Yeah. So we were doing a virtual reality and there was a Tyrannosaurus Rex and she had the goggles on and each person was was trying them. And all of a sudden you see her just haul off running away from the dinosaur that we can't see because it's imaginary. It's in her goggles and then runs straight into the fireplace, flaps (laughs) down. I still have the video. It's awesome. Um, To be fair, certain people didn't think it was that funny. Yeah, but but it was hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Our our point of that little tangent is that you can handle this in a lot of different ways, and you don't have to be solemn and sad all the time. I know a lot of people um, that work at Kemper House Worthington, which is the Alzheimer's dementia care facility my dad owns, that are full of joy and Mm -hmm. full of life. Yeah, and um, and there's so many funny, cute moments um, that happen, uh, and it's just about actually engaging with them and not treating them also as just a sad sob story right treat them as a human being they still have things to gain and they still have value and they still have stories and they still have all these things and even if they you know are nonverbal, a lot of the time they can still hear you so i have a great Um, story um back before my grandmother ever came to live with us. And uh, one of my first Alzheimer's dementia, so almost 30 years ago, homes that I did, it was the company policy that you had to stay all night in the home instead of a hotel when you went in and opened it up. So there would be residents live in there that had just moved in because they felt that if you were ingrained into the home, you would figure out that, oh, that's not the right mattress to to do or you, this is noisy in this area or whatnot and they were right so uh, you also had to volunteer and so I'm sitting on an ottoman and I've got a bunch of dementia residents around me and their the activities director had told me like just you know lead them in song we're going to do songs today I said okay and 
I think sometimes we think when the mind gets a little confused that maybe it didn't ha, doesn't have an opinion anymore. Not true. I was told by everyone there I should never sing ever again. They might not have been wrong, but <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. They were completely right, but in my mind, I thought they weren't going to understand that I was a horrible singer. Yeah. I don't know why, but I thought that they wouldn't understand that, but they did. And they asked. And they told you. They not only told me, they got the head person and asked that I never help out in that area (laughs) ever again. Now, Addie's a great singer, but that like, besides not making eighth grade choir, that hurt my feelings quite a bit. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, so in essence, we've had so many experiences with people with Alzheimer's and um, just there's a lot of life lessons too that you can learn um, through uh, dealing with someone who has memory issues and things Mm -hmm. like that. What are some of the solutions and like main focuses that our listeners and viewers can take away so that they can do something kind of right now in their homes? Okay. So, um, you know, you can start out by looking to make sure the home is more of an automatic car versus a stick shift. So for someone with cognitive issues, they can't think properly. Um, every day is like learning how to drive stick shift. And if any of you have ever done that before, it is frustrating. If you've never had the opportunity to do that, take a pencil or a pen and use your non-dominant hand and start writing out your birth date, your social security number, um, and write out maybe who you are. And it's going to be very frustrating. Um, Those types of exercises help us to understand. So anything that we can do where lights automatically turn on or off, um, the remote control maybe just has the buttons showing that they need. So, yeah, so you could tape off certain buttons on their remote. You can label the remote in the phone. I know great grandma used to confuse them all the time, which we laugh at that. Mm-hmm. But realistically, they're both black things with buttons. I mean, and they're both and about they, the same they, shape. And they both have numbers. So yes. they're really just not that different, which is mm-hmm. one of those context things, again, that like from our perspective, it's like, wow, how could anyone forget that? And right. from their perspective, it's really an object that looks really similar. So yep. how can we help them mitigate those annoyances? Um, and then we have the the issue of security mm-hmm. and safety. So a really great story is that one time um, we were all out and about and mm-hmm. my mom had installed these new kind of nanny cams, security cams yeah. um, to watch inside the... Of- Which people had big issues about. They're like, oh, somebody's going to be watching at that point. And what had happened was my mom was being held hostage by my grandmother. She didn't want you know, Libby to leave and my mom felt bad. And so I said, mom, we're going to put the camera in right basically in the living room, so we can see grandma. She's just watching TV. You don't have to worry about coming home from dinner quick. You know, you can stay out at Costco a little bit longer. Um, You know, all you have to do is look on your phone and you can see that. Um, So it ended up being a good idea um, for that reason, but it also ended up being a good idea that we're all out and about and the power went out. And we're like, oh my gosh, we got to check on grandma. Well, we were able to get on the camera. The power for that was had a battery so it had backup. A battery backup. Mm-hmm. Yep. But she was stuck in the recliner. 
So, so we knew we had to rush We knew because it was hooked up and we knew we had to rush somebody home because she could not get up out of the recliner and you could see her kind of struggling. And I'm like, I don't want her to fall. Yeah, we're like, Lord have mercy. Right. And we were horrible. able to talk through the camera and say, Grandma, you know, we're here. And she's like, where are you? Like we're a ghost voice or something yeah. like that. Um, but that was very helpful. Um, some other things you can do is you could get Alexa or Google Home to say, hi, um, it's morning time. It's um, summer um, it's the spring or, you know, whatever it is, um, time to get dressed. Right. Um, could be time to take your medication. We had a dementia clock that was very, very easy to operate and radio. And very specific too of AM and PMs. I yes. know that there's been plenty of times where, um, when great grandma used to get up in the middle of the night, I was kind of the designated person who would get her back into bed and, she would be up walking around and hear her cane come in, click, 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 click. And I'd be like, oh, Lord, here we go. You were, you and, know what? You were the DG instead of the DD. You were the designated grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And so um, one night she's up and she's walking around and I point to the oven clock and I say, great grandma, it's three in the morning. We, you got to go back to bed. And she's like, it's not three in the morning. It's three in the afternoon. Yeah. I'm like, well, it doesn't say a.m. or p.m. So no. Got, so how would she know that? And secondly, I said, great grandma, everybody's asleep. You got to go back to bed. And she mm -hmm. said, well, you're up. <laughs> I said, well, you're yep. not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong there. It is a lot like traveling in a foreign country. It's very hard to get you regulated. And so having a lot of natural sunlight um, is great because it kicks off your circadian rhythm that tells you when to wake up and tells you when to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, one of the other things is if you can get integral blinds. So those are blinds that are in the window. So they don't get messed up. They st still can be like tilted open and, and opened yeah. and closed very easily. Um, but you don't have to worry about them getting whopper jawed or somebody having trouble operating them. Um, so those types of things, um, locks on the doors that automatically lock when it's nighttime so they can't get out. I used to worry until we got that, until we got some of those locks, right. that she was going to get out in the middle of the night and um, be out in the snow. Yeah. And some other options. I mean, we have a million different options and we'll talk a little bit more about all this stuff in our technology episode. Mm -hmm. um, but you have even the Apple Watch now has a fall detection feature where right. if you fall and you don't say I'm OK, it will call your most recent contact or your emergency contact, however you set mm -hmm. it. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways, but I'd say kind of the, the most important things about helping our loved ones that have Alzheimer's is helping them regulate their diet also, mm -hmm. um, which we'll get into that more later on about, you know, removing kind of sugar. There's a bunch of, yeah, there's a bunch of diets that doctors have created, um, from Dr. Brennison to Dr. Amen to quite a few, but sugar's not good. Yeah. Um, actually, for your body. It actually enables things to cross that blood brain barrier. Mm -hmm. And, um, it can, and from personal experience, every time we were around the holidays and great grandma was eating a bunch of cookies, she was nuts. And she was, just <laughs> yeah, nuts. She, was. she just was so off her schedule. She didn't know what year it was. She right. was not on her money compared to, and then her the stress before of the holidays. Um, exactly. so, you know, like, oh, it's a cookie. I want her to have it. Um, you wouldn't do that to a diabetic. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, you still have to limit. 
items, choices, opportunities to be able to let that person be their best them. And it's now your responsibility to help them get through it. You do not give, you know, a uh, 12-year-old keys to the car. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, if uh, for her, she never drove, but um, at a certain point, you might have to have that hard discussion about taking away the keys to the car. And sometimes the better thing to say is the car's in the shop. Right, exactly. You know, instead yeah. of argue about things, yeah. Um, because people can feel like they're having their freedoms taken away, and that's a horrible place to be. Um, yeah. I often talk about the fact that when we're younger, you know, and you're a baby, you're incredibly vulnerable, but you don't know it, and so you don't care that someone has to wipe your butt and somebody has to feed you and you have to cry and somebody has to move you. And then we get to this independent stage and life is great. And then we get older and we have our minds to a certain extent. And then people start taking away our dependence or independence and making us dependent on them saying, we can't do this. We can't do that. You're going to get hurt yourself here. I have to help you with the medications. And some of it might be legit, but how we do that is a very important conversation. Yeah, definitely. So also on the preventative side, um, which I think we're going to do a whole nother episode of dealing with Alzheimer's and just more tools and tricks that you can use. Um, but from the preventative side, one thing that you can do actually is go to Kemper House Worthington and mm -hmm. get uh, your Cogniview test. So it's the first FDA approved cognitive test that enables you to kind of have these baseline markers um, for whether or not you have Alzheimer's, memory issues, things like that. And even if you don't, if it runs in your family, mm -hmm. if you go to Kemper House Worthington in Columbus, Ohio, then you can get that test for free and you have a baseline so that if you do start exhibiting any kind of memory issues, you can kind of know in what facet and in right. what way. It's super crit critical to have a baseline um, because, you know, especially when you're getting older, you could just maybe be irritated with your spouse. And then they're like, well, you keep forgetting things, you keep whatever. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, mom, you think she's, you know, having troubles or issues. And really, she's just stressed out. And she hasn't slept for three nights because she just found out you had cancer. Right. You know, and so if mom has a baseline and can go get tested, that can put a lot at ease or it can help with early diagnosis, which is everything, which is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They also have a lot of literature and resources, too, on brain and body health and how you can kind of combine everything in your life so that you're working towards retaining your memory and working kind of against um, your genetics and things like that. But uh, yeah, so today we've kind of talked about a lot of different things, mm -hmm. mostly a lot of personal experience and, and yeah. some helpful things. We, we kind of let you in behind the curtain. Yeah. So um. yeah, we have, we have much more information, specific information in our book, Hive. Mm -hmm. um, but first things first is that you're you're just not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. And there are a lot of people that are dealing with this. And there is a lot of people um, that that could relate to what you're going through. And there are many, many tools to help yourself as a caregiver or also help your loved ones. There are so many different tools that you can utilize. Um, and there are a lot of ways to be proactive mm -hmm. as well. Um, so it's, it's daunting when you get that first diagnosis or when you see the cupcake 
but it's not the end of the world. And there now, are- and it's also like, you know, we got to have some beautiful time with grandma. Um, you know, we have this unique perspective because of our 19 year old nephew. Um, you know, he was gone in a moment from a car accident. We didn't get to have that time to know he was going to go and to spend time with him. And also he was very young and with grandma going, um, we got a lot of time to ask her a lot of questions and really dive into her sweet spot. You know, she loved to talk about older things, pulling out the, the photo books and really starting to document the family history that I don't think I would have, um, you know, I, I was kind of hypersensitive to this story might be lost if I don't get it now, hmm, which exactly. was which was yeah. cool. Yeah. And so one thing that you can do today to have a better tomorrow is just sit down with your loved one and spend some time with them and don't argue and don't correct them and just be present with them. And I'm sure that if you take the time to do that, um, and remember who they are, mm-hmm. um, that you will have a beautiful moment with them, even when they're going through this hard time. I think that is um, fantastic. I found I think one of the biggest lessons that I found with grandma was that I didn't always have to solve a problem for her or have a conversation. Sometimes she just was more often than not, the majority of the time she was just wanted me to sit with her while she was watching a basketball game. It was, she just wanted me to be with her. You know, and just be, not have some agenda, but just be. And um, that's a pretty cool thing. You don't have to, you don't have to solve this. You just kind of have to show up. If you enjoyed this episode, help us to share it with family and friends whom you think will benefit. If you value our content, give it five stars, please. And let's stay in touch. Follow us across all our social media and let us know your story so we can best serve you. Until then, keep loving each other. We'll see you in the next episode.